Today on the train wreck, you fit how many people in a Fiero? The kids are all right. DTF and why I'd never survive New York City. Strap in, kids, it's go time. Sick, twisted freaks. It's Rolly. How you doing? Welcome to the show. So, I had a, I had a bunch of stuff that uh, was it contagious. Shut up. I had a bunch of stuff that I had prepared uh, for the show here, uh, and I had a totally different monologue prepared. But then this week happened. <laughs> And I don't know what you're trying to say with that. I'm trying to say that 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 I, it just reminds me of a story that I I have. To, okay, hold on. Grab the pot. Is this is this going to be a speech? N- not necessarily. It's I I just want to know because you know do we need to hunker down for? Are we going to be here for a while? Because you know we're burning daylight and it's shut. What the what what the fuck? What are you talking about, Al? What you? I'm trying to, I'm trying to start to, oh, look, is this, is there anything new under the sun here? Is there any, no, not really. So why, why would you expect anything different at this stage? I mean, yeah, I mean, he is right. I mean, we've been doing this for, oh, oh, Jesus. How long have we, well, it's January of, um, it's January of 2023, which means that we have been doing some version of this bullshit. Uh, some version of this bullshit, yes, uh, for, um, oh God, 32 years now? Yeah, because the first time, the first time I ever did any of this, well, okay, as far as the radio or anything, I mean, I, I started doing, like, tapes and stuff like that in 88, right? But the first time I ever did anything live on a microphone for people other than my friends to hear it would was 1991, January of 1991. And uh, the first, uh, well, the first people that actually showed up on this show, the other, the, the first voices in my head. I mean, other than the ones that, yeah, other than the ones that, the, the first voices in my head to ever show up were um alex who um alex comes and goes he's yeah i gotta be in the right mood for him and um uh mood is for cattle and love play great callback thank you um but al and bubba here have been with me for 32 years oh god it's i don't even have to write for these guys anymore because i don't know what you're trying to say Um, I mean, um, did you even hear that? Not really. It's, um, you must be talking about inside baseball because we never hear that. Why? Why do you never hear that? I I think it's because we're, I I think it's because we don't actually, we're not really, um, what are we talking about? That's, yeah, that's the point. Thanks. Okay. What they're trying to say is is that as characters inside my head, they don't actually hear it when I talk about uh, inside baseball like this. 
So, uh... Are we still on the... On the show? This is the show. Yes. It's... Why are we... What are we... Okay. We, we can move on. Thank you. So what a week, huh? Uh... <laughs> Mr. Segway. So I want to tell you a story about, um... My young misspent youth. And... And... There is a point... Is there ever really a... Po you know, come on, guys. So, I have lived in Virginia Beach since... Uh, well, I lived here from 1977 to 1980. Uh, and then for two and a half years, we, uh, we were stationed in Guantanamo Bay. And then we moved back here in February of 1983. And... I've been a project, a product of the, a uh, project is probably best. Yeah, pro, I've been a project of the Virginia Beach public school system since from 77 to 80, and then from 83 to 88, when I uh, graduated from high school. And the summer I graduated from, now the spring, spring, summer, the spring, I it was the first time I went to the Outer Banks and Worked at uh, Waterfall Park over spring break. And forgot uh, suntan lotion. Sunscreen of any kind. and uh, Got uh, sun poisoning. And um, came back. And the first day back from spring break in my history class, Mr. DeWolf said, uh, any current events? And somebody said, hey, yeah, dude. Rolly got some sun. I was lobster boy. And I started molting right there in the class. It was, it was, it was just... It was just special. Peeling off whole sheets of skin, freaking out the girls. Look! Oh, gross! And walk away. Yeah, I had it. I had the swag. That swag? No, not really. <laughs> so, the summer of 88, um, one of my best friends, my best friend at the time was a guy, no lie, his name was Don Johnson. And in the 80s, that was kind of funny. <laughs> so, and he had a 1986 Pontiac Fiero. Candy apple red. And the 86 was the one that had the, I think the 86, yeah, 86, had the curved back windows as opposed to the 84 that I got later in life, which was the, uh, uh, the 84 was the first year of the Pontiac Fiero, which was all angular and shit. And, and mine was like fire engine red. And uh, is there a point? Not really. I'm just describing the Fiero. If you, you know, if you, if you don't know the Pontiac Fiero, it's a two engine mid-seater car. Um, with uh, two seats, and this is important because there are only two seats. It's a mid-engine car, right? And it's very low to the ground. If it was any lower, you'd be driving in a hole. And that summer, Don and I decided that we were going to go to the Outer Banks and get a hotel room and just kind of just uh, spend some time on the Outer Banks all by our lonesome. And it was the first time that uh, we would have uh, gone and, and done something like that by ourselves. And, and I was kind of, 
um, nervous about asking my parents, like, uh, can I, can I go be unsupervised for a week? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> because at least when I went during spring break, I was living in a trailer with, uh, like uh, six or seven other guys. And we were, you know, we were manning the rides at waterfall park. I was part of that, you know, so there were people keeping an eye on us. We decided to go down there and hang out with the guys at waterfall park for a week or so. And we had a hotel room. And we just basically crawled the uh, Outer Banks for a week. And I, I remember going to my mom and, and saying, um, Mom, um, I wondered if we could go to Outer Banks for a week and just kind of just, you know, chill. And, and I thought she was going to, I was surprised I even got the sentence all the way out because I was expecting a no. I was expecting a no to rain down on me like, like hellfire. Because my parents were not the kind of people that would have allowed me to do something like that. Now, in retrospect, I will say a couple things. Um, at that point in time, my brother, my younger brother, had, had, had dropped out of high school and wasn't living at home. And um, I, uh, was, I was living at home uh, at, at the time, at that point. I hadn't been uh, ejected from the house summarily at that point because it was not yet July 24th. I was 17 years old, not yet 18. And there's a story about that down the road. Trust me. So my mom said, yeah. And I was shocked. Really? And as I said the word really, I remember saying to myself, don't give her a chance to think about it. Just go. And I remember packing a suitcase, right? And we, and we, you know, we, I called ahead. I made a reservation, stuff like, and we 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 left. We were gone. We were done. And back in '88 in the Outer Banks, it was much easier to get a hotel room, especially if you weren't really. Um, we decided that we weren't going to be spending a whole lot of time in the hotel room, so it didn't really matter. Uh, you know, were, were we looking for amenities? Fuck no. We're 17 year old kids. We want a bed and a shower, and that's and a place maybe to put our shit, and that's it. Right. And the place to put our shit was really kind of optional because we had suitcases. They could just throw that shit in the corner and go. Right. So we, we went to a place we got a place. It's called the Carolina Hotel. And it was, you know, 1940s Art Deco uh, uh, hotel from years gone by, which is to say that, you know, it, it might have been a rat net, uh, a rat's nest, but we didn't give a fuck. <laughs> so we went down there and we, you know, we spent a week down there there and um and we had a lot of fun. We got in a lot of trouble. We had a lot of fun. We got in a lot of trouble. We had a lot of fun. And I want to talk to you about one particular evening because um, Don and I and the guys from Waterfall Park that were there that year, um, we, we went to a place that we probably shouldn't have been, which is to say a bar. I was. Not yet 18 years old. I would have been 18 years old probably in about a month, month and a half when this happened. Because it was right after school ended. So that would have been June of 88. And the as 17, 18, 19-year-old kids are want to do, um, we, we, we're not fully cooked yet, and, and we think we're invincible. And we had, you know, I mean, there, there were girls, of course there were, and 
there were uh, rednecks. Of course there were. This is North Carolina. And somebody said something they shouldn't have said. What did you say? It wasn't me. I don't believe you. It wasn't me. I still don't believe. I know you don't believe me. It wasn't me. Was it Don? Uh, no, no. Somebody that was part of the, the, the folks from the park. I, I, I can't remember who it was exactly. But somebody opened their mouth and said something they shouldn't have said. And uh, a fight broke out. And discretion being the better part of valor, we, we got the hell out. Um, some of us not the worst for wear. Um, uh, some of us uh, met fists and, and other objects on the way out the door. I was one of them, but I was okay. Somebody, uh, somebody waffle housed me on the way out the door. <laughs> I got hit with a chair is what I'm trying to tell you. I got, you know, but I was okay, you know, because the chair... It knocked me down. It didn't knock me out. It knocked the wind out of me. But I managed to get out the door without any further problems. And, uh, and uh, well, that, that's a blessing because, you know, usually you're the one that opens your mouth and you get the shit kicked out. Yes, yes, I know. I know. So there's a bunch of us outside at this point. And the only car that we have is the Fiero. Don's Fiero, Don's two-seat Fiero. And there are more than two of us. And some of us are not in the um, frame of mind to uh, much less walk home uh, because, well, you know, the, 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 the people that own the bar knew the people that own Waterfall Park and they kind of let us, you know, they kind of let us, yeah, you know, it, it was, uh, the, the, the liquor laws weren't, they were there, but they were more like guidelines. Let's just put it that way for these people. So, most of us are in some state of inebriation. And the bright idea that we had is that Don, Don was a straight edge, so he didn't, he didn't get involved in this. So he was okay. Which means that the only person that could drive was Don. And the only car that we had was Don's car. And we had way more people than we had seats. And, and this is why I believe that Don probably should be the perennial uh, Tetris champion because we managed to get more people in that car than... It, it should be, it, I think we broke the laws of physics. People, uh, like three or two or three people in the seat, the passenger seat, like one or two people kneeling in the wheel well, okay? Uh, so they were facing the people in the seat. They were kind of mushed together. We have one guy in the center, uh, uh, you know, the little, in, the, the center column uh, between the seats, the center, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the glove compartment. Um, sitting on that and had his head sticking through the popped sunroof that we managed to put in the, in the, uh, uh in the trunk. Uh, we had, uh, a person in the trunk, maybe two and trunks and Fierros are very small. You could fit. I could fit in it. Um, and, and then we had two people on the luggage rack on the back of the car, two or three people on the back of the luggage car. Now the, the, and then uh, like one or two people sitting 
on the w open windows, uh, the the car doors uh, out the you know sitting with their feet inside the car, but them holding on for dear life on to the sunroof, um, so they could you know so they didn't fall or anything. But we 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 got more people in that car than 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 we had any right to be able to do. Now the 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 end result was is that. There were two people in the driver's seat. One person manned the clutch and the uh, accelerator, and one person, um, or, or one per clutch and accelerator. I'm sorry, let me feet accelerator clutch. Yeah, and then the other person with the brake. Right. So, and and that took some verbal, you know, clutch shift, <laughs> and that was fun. But the end result was is that we couldn't get above about 20 miles an hour, nor I think did we want to, because I think we could have left some people back on the pavement. A again, I want to remind you that this is 1988. This is a much different time. Back then, there wasn't the... The Nags had the Outer Banks wasn't as built up as it is today, okay? Um, I would say maybe a third of what is there today was there then. And as a result, there wasn't a whole lot in the way of police. As a matter of fact, there was one guy, one police car that, that went up and down Route 12. And we knew the guy. And we rarely ever saw him in Rodanthe, which is where we were. Which was why it, it came as a complete shock when the red and blue lights appeared behind us and you know and we had pull over slowly because that's all we were doing was slowly and the officer comes up to the car and he's looking at us and looking at Don and looking at all the people and he said I, I have to applaud your, your ingenuity <laughs> I remember that he was very, he was very diplomatic. I'm sure he was laughing like a son of a bitch on the inside. I mean, wouldn't you? And license registration, that took a, that took some doing to get to the, okay. And he came back and we got a ticket and, and we had to, uh, basically, uh, people had to walk home. Um, and, 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 and Don and I drove back to the Carolina hotel and, and, um, you know, basically we, we shoveled people back and forth for, for, oh, almost an hour, probably back and forth up the highway down, you know, uh, route 12 to get people where they needed to be. And then we finally ended up at, at, at our hotel, um, and just laughed about it. But I will never forget what the officer said to us. And I think it is appropriate for today. He said to Don, said to all of us, that just because you can fit all the people in the car doesn't mean you can drive the car. Just because you can fit all the people in the car doesn't mean you can drive the car. And as I watched the proceedings this week with the 15 votes to make Kevin McCarthy Speaker of the House, 
I was reminded of this story, especially with the 20 people that kept holding out and holding out and holding out because they want control of the Republican caucus that they want to drive the car. They all fit in the car. Doesn't mean they can drive it. When I say car, I mean government. I mean Congress. For four days, we didn't have a functioning democracy. For four days, we didn't have a functioning government because one of the branches of government couldn't get its crap together. And they tried to shove a whole bunch of people in the car and thought they could drive it. They found out, oh, no, sir, you cannot drive the car. So I want you to think about that over the next two years as we watch what is probably going to be one of the most terrifyingly funny processes in the House of Representatives to watch how they do things and watch what they do because they all manage to shovel themselves, wedge themselves, shoehorn themselves, Tetris-like into car. And I don't think they realize yet that there's a difference between fitting in the car and driving. You're listening to Rolly. I'm sure that I'm not going to be shocking you uh, any way, shape, matter, or form when I tell you that um, I am not what you would call a frequent reader of the Daily Caller. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, Tucker Carlson is... Um, well, he, he's he's a he's a little punk bitch, basically. If you really want my honest opinion, he's you know he's he's white supremacy all dressed up in a uh, well. He doesn't wear bow ties anymore, but you know I I just see him as a bow tie. What I actually see him as is the guy who got his ass kicked by John Stewart some years ago. Um, John Stewart, the man who single handedly ended Crossfire. <laughs> That bullshit version of Crossfire that they had in the uh, 2000s. Crossfire used to be a pretty good show back in the day. We used to watch it all the time. Of course, you know, it had, you know, um, Tucker's uh, uh, intellectual daddy, uh, 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 <laughs> Pat, oh, fuck, oh, what's it? Uh, Pat Buchanan. Um, so, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Michael somebody or other, but... Um, God, he used to have... God, I can't remember. He started Slate. Because Slate was... Yeah. 
You're going down a rabbit hole again, aren't you? Yeah, I kind of am. Slate, I think it was Slate, actually started as a uh, uh, a magazine that was, um, uh, it came along with um, Windows 95. I remember that those two being tied together. And Michael, he left Crossfire to start that magazine. I think that's right. He used to work for the National Review. No, he didn't work for the National Review. Sorry, because that's Buckley. Yes, it's Buckley. Um, I, anyway, um, uh, yeah, you know, could you just put this one to, yeah, I'll sew it right up. Thank you. So, um, I don't read the Daily Caller all that much, but I did get a, uh, a story that caught my eye and it says, and again, shocker, unlike prior generations, analysis shows millennials are not getting more conservative as they age. Now, I, I need to write up front because some of you heard the word millennial. Okay. And you have a definite idea of what a millennial is. And I'm, I am here now to dissuade you of that because millennials, the oldest millennials are in their 40s now. Okay. Can we, can, so can we stop that? Everybody has this idea of the millennials, you know, with the avocado toast and the thing. Fuck, 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 fuck you and fuck you and, and fuck you. The oldest millennials are in their 40s now. I'm, I'm Gen X. I'm kind of mid-range Gen X. I was born in 1970. I think Gen X started in 65. Right? And it went from 65 to 80. And, and millennials went from 80... 1980 to 2000, I think. Millennials. Okay. Millennial generation was born between, according to this right here, between 81 and 96. And traditionally, voters follow a pattern of being liberal, more liberal until they're 35, and then they move towards a more conservative belief as they age. Now, I, I have this, this idea that it's not they're changing their mind. They're not really moving so much. It's that, that culture changes around them. Okay? Um, Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. Right? Okay, well, that was a Hey, people didn't care for Hubert, 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 Sherbet. I, people don't like Sherbet. I prefer chocolate. What? As this, as the culture moves, sometimes people stay the same. Their core beliefs, who they are, stay the same. And that, that is identified as being uh, becoming more conservative. One of the main differences, I think, one of the exceptions, I would think, was, was the Reagan revolution in, in 1980 because it was a rare ex-hippie that wouldn't vote Republican if you promised them a couple bucks off their taxes. And what's more, they would believe they were actually getting it. <laughs> Fuck off. Millennials in the U.S. appeared to be on track to move in that direction towards conservatism until about 30, but then dropped away from it by the time they were 40. That's in the U.S. 
In England, UK, they never moved towards conservatism and have stopped farther away from it as they age. In the 2022 midterm election, 63% of younger millennials aged 25 to 29 voted for Democrats in the House. And in the 2020 election, 62% voted for Democrats. And they also noted that the youth vote was as highest it had been in decades. Now, compared to um, my generation, <laughs> um, there was a, a liberal, a, an increasingly liberal bent until they hit their early 40s, and then Gen X moves towards conservatism like their older counterparts once they reach 45. Now, at 35, millennials were 15 points less conservative than the boomer and X generations were at the same age. Now, they say here that voting patterns couldn't pinpoint specific events or causes that push, pushed millennials towards the, that shift back to the left. However, I would tell you that probably the financial crisis of 2008 would be one of them. Um, because, again, we, we, we beat on millennials and, and Gen Z mercilessly. Because, you know, we, we had it hard. You don't have it hard. Yes, they fucking do. Uh, uh, the, the wages that they earn, the cost of living to, 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 to make out a decent living and, and live independently on your own and be able to put money away for retirement, maybe buy a house, you know, uh, a car, things like that. I mean, it, it's much more difficult for, for millennials and Gen Z than it was for boomers and X. And society wasn't actively trying to kill them every day. So I want to make sure that we're clear on this. <clears throat> if the general people in power, the conservative movement, okay, which has been, I don't know, I'd say most of my life. Let's think about this. There's from 80 to 92 was Republican, right? And then from 2000 to 2008 was Republican. So that's what? That's 16 years right there. Um, four years of Nixon. Yeah. So four years of Nixon. Oh, six years of Nixon and Ford. So six and uh, 14 and uh, another eight is... Uh, I was told there would be no math. Great Gen X reference right there. Thanks. I just want to help. Yeah, great. You're helping. In, in the way that, it, uh, you know what? No, I'm not going to even go there. I know what you were going to say, and, and, and I've been spayed. Thanks. Good to know. I know where I have my shots. I, I, know, where my, I know where my pad is. Okay. I need to go walkies. When don't you? I'll get him. Hold on. Come on. Okay. Half my life, I guess you could say, has probably been conservative. But then again, remember that, you know, the legislature has been conservative mostly. And the culture, there's been this culture war for most of my life, right? With the, the, the um, moral majority and and uh, evangelical Christians and the Tea Party and now uh, uh, whatever the fuck this is, MAGA. 
And they all, you know, love white Republican Jesus, which is weird. War on Christmas and all that stuff. And, of course, you know, they don't mind people carrying every manner of uh, fucking uh, uh, death machine that, you know, they can fit on their person. And and we don't want to do anything about mental health, which, you know, I understand that's an excuse, but it is a factor. We got people snapping left and right every goddamn day for whatever reason. And one of the reasons that I'll just say is, you know, we, we love the troops, man. We love them until they come home and they need help. And then we kick our ass to the curb for whatever reason, and they can't get, you know, services that they need. And then they end up snapping and, you know, doing that. We also have a problem with, with uh, uh, how do I put this, um, how do I put this bluntly? Men. We have a problem with men. And I don't know where this came along, but, I I think we we need it's a it's a totally new well it's an old concept but a new country that I think we need to discuss it's 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 a new um kind of quasi country inside the United States I don't know if they have their own flag but maybe they should it's it's you know we have it's it's a different we have of course in the United States we have Virginia we have North Dakota South Dakota Maine Massachusetts yada 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 and inside each one of these is the friend zone because we have young men generally but older guys too that have a real problem with personal relationships and and think that they're owed things and there's a lot of privilege and 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 a lot of uh, assumptions and a lot of Inherent violence there. And they're the people that decide that, you know, um, I'll show them. When, 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 basically they're, they're all losers and they're all sociopaths, they're all psycho. And at some point they decide that they've had enough and I'll show them and they take control of their lives the only way they know how, which is uh, walking into a classroom and mowing 30 people down or whatever, or walking into a sorority house and mowing people down with a, with a gun uh, or any one of a number of things. But they're all fucking psycho dudes that think they're owed, um, for lack of a better term, to uh, power, prestige, and pussy. And no one, no one is guaranteed any of those things. You earn them. And some of us do not uh, ever earn them. Trust me on this. And I know this because I was one of those people. Okay? It's very easy to buy into the hype, to drink the Kool-Aid when you're a young man, especially in the 80s and 90s, even today with the hustle culture, which is kind of a, it's, it's a watered down version of what we're, what we're calling this, where we believe that, you know, just because we do all of these things, we're get, we, you know, we, we work for it. And when we find out that the hustle culture is a sham, and that 
no one's guaranteed a fucking thing than to get angry. I think John Hughes movies did it for a lot of us where we thought that, you know, the nice guys finally get the girl. No, 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 they don't. And it's very disillusioning when you find out that, you know, the, the nice guy that you think you are doesn't get the girl. So you get angry and, and you decide to take action. And uh, that's when you find out the truth about yourself is that you're not a nice guy. But you don't want to admit that. So you walk into the sorority house and mow down a bunch of people. Because, I, 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 of course, I'll show them. I'll show them I'm the nicest guy. I'm the nicest guy with a semi-automatic weapon you've ever met. So, the culture for 40 years has been... This is this is what it's been. It it's it it's you know corporate welfare for them and rugged individualism for us. Except it doesn't work, and you'll never get a shot at the table, and you'll never get the girl, and uh, and, and all of that, right? And at some point, the more even keeled, put together people realize that it's all a ride and that you 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 learn a different way of dealing with things and then that's the day you become a man son of a bitch trust me when you actually figure out that this isn't the way it's supposed to work this is somebody's idea of a joke the real world works differently this is not a john hughes movie So then you learn and you get on with it. And then that's when you start to succeed at life, the universe and everything. But until then, yeah, you're just fucked. It's the people that don't get, make it over that hump that the people that we, we need to worry about in this day and age. But the culture is that, right? And then the, we have a generation of people, generation of people, millennials and Gen Z that's saying, we're not playing that fucking game anymore. And by the way, fuck you for making us try to play that game. And fuck you for inventing the game. And then we shit on them for avocado toast. Being the reason they can't buy a house. No, motherfucker. The reason they can't buy the house is because, you know, uh, capitalism. And, and, and not being able to tie wages to inflation. Not being able to keep taxes uh, tied to reality. That some of us down here pay more in taxes than people who make a bajillion, bajillion dollars or companies that make a bajillion, bajillion dollars. But that's okay. Right? Because, you know... We don't need Amazon and Apple and Google and Facebook and all those people. I, IBM, General... I, I, no, that, they're okay. They're fine. We're not even going to go after Trump for fucking around with taxes because everything he did was probably illegal. He found loopholes. And we won't close the loopholes because it's more than just him that engaged in that shit. You know that. There is a power and class structure involved here. And the millennials and the Gen Z are the people that are rejecting the power and the class struggle. 
and we're telling them that they're fucking idiots. No, they're not fucking idiots. They're fucking brilliant. And I want you to know, if you don't, I need you to, I need you to come close to the speaker now, your audio device of choice, and I want you to hear my words. We, boomers and Xers, we've already lost the game. We just don't know it yet. In the next few years, Gen Z, the majority of Gen Z, are going to be a voting age. And they don't give a fuck what we think, what boomers think, what Republicans think, what evangelicals think of some topics that are, you know, verboten, apparently. You know, they, they would like women to have a choice. Uh, they would like to not be killed by some madman with a gun. They do not care if you're gay or bi or trans. And they're going to vote accordingly. And as those people come into the majority of voting age, boomers and Xers are going to die. That is the circle of life, motherfucker. And more than that, it is the circle of political culture in the United States. Ever. Maybe around the world. The next generation is way more progressive. The next generations are way more progressive than the last two. That is the pendulum swinging back. And the young people, to quote David Hogg, which I know will probably piss a lot of you off, the young people will win. And I am here for that shit. You're listening to Rolly. Hey, came across a death in Texas, Florida story uh, that uh, got my attention here. Uh, Dateline, Poinciana, Florida. Two people in Florida were arrested after one of them made a 911 call to get help with moving their belongings from a home they were burglarizing. Deputies responded to a home Saturday after a 911 call was made, but nobody spoke, the Polk County Sheriff's Office said. At the home, the deputies concluded nobody lived there, but they found a male suspect and his girlfriend inside the home after entering it through an unlocked door. Deputies had been searching for the male suspect after identifying him from security video as a burglar at a Dollar General store in Poinciana. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Poinciana. Dead, dead, like the Christmas flower. I'll, I'll take care of it. Thank you. I'm sorry. Several items were stolen earlier in the day at the Dollar General store in Poinsettia. No, that's the town of Florida. I'll take care of him. I thought you already said that. I just, I'm sorry. It just, it, it happened quickly. It's just, it, that's what she's, oh no. While talking to deputies, the female suspect told them that she had called 911 
for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house they were burglarizing. And they also wanted to get a ride to the airport so they could spend the weekend in New York. Deputies did help them with their belongings and they did give them a ride, but it wasn't to the airport. And they're welcome to stay there all weekend. The Polk Polky is much better than New York anyway. I'm actually, I, I'm, I might be inclined to agree having survived two 24 hour periods in New York that, uh, 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 you've been in, yes, I've been, oh my God. Oh my God. Let me explain. If you've heard this before, you'll enjoy hearing it the next time too, but there you go. So the first time I went to New York City, I was working for a contractor for Verizon and DSL was the, the flavor of the month. This is the new thing, right? So we had uh, this company that I worked for in Verizon, of course, as, the, as the, uh, the, the, the big parent company here. They had these kiosks that they would set up in stores and people like me uh, working for the company would go up and we would show people, hey, you, you want to see DSL? You want to see how fast it is compared to you know the dial-up that you've got right now? And and people would come along and do that, and we could take uh we could take uh, uh signups for them. So yeah, I was the annoying Cox Cable guy, right? Hey, hey, can I ask you a question? Hey, can I ask you a question? I I've I've got Cox Cable, sir, because uh FiOS isn't in my area. Because if they were, I wouldn't want I go away. So anyway. So the, the first time I, I was one of these guys, right? And we, uh, we landed at, um, I forget which airport it is, but it was the one that was right by Shea Stadium. I think it was, I think it was LaGuardia. <clears throat> and um, I, I, I uh, my friends that were with me um, asked me to uh, hail the cab. And I didn't understand why. And then they showed me because they went out and hailed like several different cabs that drove right by them. And the second I put my hand out, Arp! okay, sure. They all pile into the back seat. There's three of them. They all pile into the back seat. And I have to sit in the front seat in shotgun next to the driver and talking to him. And I, I was totally, you know, and the people in the back are behind like this plastic screen. Uh, that separates the front and the back seat. So, I mean, for them, I'm sure this was just the greatest reality TV sh show ever made because I'm talking to the cab driver and I'm looking at him. And then my I turn to look to the front of the car and realize that we are not figuratively, not metaphorically, but literally six inches from the car in front of us. And I put my foot... I went for a break that wasn't there. And I, I'm, I, if I swore I was going to put my foot through the floor of that car. I mean, it's just, holy shit. Peals of laughter from the backseat because they knew that that was going to happen. Of course they did. Right? They've all been to New York before. I've never been to New York. This is the first time I've ever been. We get to our hotel room, the Gramercy Park Hotel. It is two o'clock in the morning. 
right? I'm tired. We haven't eaten in hours, right? But I'm tired. I want to go back. I'll, I'll get breakfast in the morning. One of my partners, a woman named Marie, comes up and, and says, let's go. Where are we going? We're going to go get something to eat. Two o'clock in the morning. Where the fuck are we going to get something to eat? I didn't know. I'm naive as fuck. We go outside. We go to a place called City Crab. And I I didn't realize I just didn't realize. I yeah, I've heard the line, I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep or whatever. I I, I get it. I understand. I thought it's a song. I thought it was metaphorical. I thought it was lyrical. I thought it was anything other than truthful. And then I realized then I found out no, no, really. That city is open 24/7. We eat, go back to the hotel, and that is when I realize that I'm not on the ground floor of the building. I'm not in any lower floor of the building. I'm, I'm up a ways. I'm on, oh, I think I was on like maybe the ninth floor. And I realize that there is a sound floor under which, there is a threshold under which the noise is not going to drop below. All right, I'm high up enough that, I mean, if I'm living in, so say, Virginia Beach, and I'm on the ninth floor of a hotel, I'm not even sure that I'm going to hear the waves of the beach in front of, behind me. Okay? There is a certain level of noise in New York City that I guess you're just going to have to get used to. And I'm used to noise. I mean, jets fly over my house all the time, right? So, what do you want, Batman? Come on. Yeah. We get to the thing and 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 it's fine. I, we I, uh, the place is a, is a staple store on Sixth Avenue somewhere. I I it's something like that. We spend the day there. A lot of fun getting back to LaGuardia to fly home. Um, but one of the one of the lasting memories that I have is, and I couldn't tell you what bridge it was we crossed to get into the city. I mean. Th- the island, right? Manhattan or whatever. Um, all I can tell you is that it was at, it was it was at night, and the buildings on the Manhattan side of the bridge were dark. The I, I'm assuming they were office buildings, and and no, those aren't open. But it was basically they were black glass, dark, you know, and. When we crossed this bridge and went into the city itself, and these buildings on either side of the bridge were dark, for that moment, it was like being swallowed by Manhattan. Now, you've heard of like the old, you know, the old drive-in 1950s science movie classics, like, you know, the, uh, the alligator that ate Manhattan or whatever. No, this was at Manhattan eating us. It was, and that will stay with me. Just going into this inky black darkness, right? Coming out the other side, maybe, you know, and it wasn't a long period of time, but it just, it just has stayed with me ever since I just got swallowed by New York. And shit out the other side. Yeah, pretty much. The second time we went to New York was um, a couple years ago, 2018, January 2018. The week before my son had his accident, um, 
my me and my coworkers uh won a um a prestigious award for Gile. We won a um we won the the Canon Americas President's Award for the videos that we made uh showing old farts how to connect uh, their uh printers wirelessly because that is a thing and that's what we did. And we went under the guise of online video, online tutorials, save call centers money. And they do. If you, if you can get people to go to the website first and learn how to connect their printers wirelessly or whatever, then they never call, right? And if you've ever worked in a call center, you know that those things bill by the minute in a lot of cases. So butts and seats and, and they bill for per minute call. So the um, call centers, especially when you work in, in this petitious uh, situation, is a cost center, right? It is something that costs the company money. So the less calls that come in, the less minutes on the phone, the less billable time, you're saving the money, uh, saving the company. In this case, I, I, I don't know exactly how much, but it was, it was a lot of money. All of our uh, current line of printers at the time we had uh, that were Wi-Fi, um, and in some cases, I mean the the first the first line I think we did we did a bunch of different things like we did show USB connection. You know, we got one printer, or we we I say we, God damn it, I'm no, I don't I haven't worked for the company in three years at this point. Um, we did USB connections too. For the first line of printers, there's a printer called the MG2520, which is like a, this is how cheap that printer is. Don't buy ink for that printer. Just go get a new printer. Okay. Just don't replace the ink on the printer. Just go buy a new printer. <laughs> you know, if you go, go to your local Costco, buy in bulk. I knew somebody, somebody who, who I knew that that called into the center that actually said they bought five of these printers, right? Because they figured that five or five or six of them will last them a year, right? They have it in their budget that they bought five or six of those printers and they don't buy new ink because to buy the ink is almost the same price as buying a new printer. Why the fuck would you do that? Just buy a new printer. <laughs> Big disposable printers, man. Isn't that great? Anyway, we, we get this time. I, I'm fairly sure. Oh God. It wasn't, I, I think it was LaGuardia again. No, I'm sorry. It was JFK because, well, are they all, is anything ever finished being constructed in New York? It's almost like Atlanta, right? Um, in 2018, they were in the middle of a giant renovation and we're outside in this canopy and this guy comes up in a Lincoln uh, uh, navigator or something black, right? And comes out and he's wearing suit and tie and, and he's our driver, right? And he picks us up and I'm in the back of a Lincoln navigator with my boss who is, um, if I called him tall, it, it is an insult to people who are tall, Um my boss is a giant. He had to duck under doorways to get through them. That's how big he was. And nicest guy in the world, teddy bear. But 
just fucking huge. You don't want to meet him in a dark alley, and he was an MP in a former life, so it's like, no, I'm not going to fuck with you. But luckily I didn't have to, because he was just, he was a great guy. And we're in the back of a Lincoln Navigator, <laughs> and we're, there, there, what, oh God, there was me, there was boss, there was my two co-workers, um, yeah, so, okay, so there were one, two, three, four, four of us, um, in the car with the driver, and we're going, we're going to Long Island on this one. We're going to Melville, New York, which is the headquarters of, of Canon USA. And to do that, I believe you have to take the Long Island Expressway. I think that was what it was called, right? And people who drive in New York City are psycho. I, there's, I, I'm sure there's some sort of code understood unwritten understood you know I, I i get it as far as that's concerned but i don't know how you people drive in new york city and not cause minimum 75 car pileups i don't get it explain it to me you motherfuckers are crazy this guy this guy driving the car anthony he <laughs> Do you know how when you go to an exit or you go to a place where the lane, the, the road splits and there's these, these um, yellow um, garbage cans that in the middle. So I guess if you hit it, you know, they're all filled with water and they figure, you know, you're, you, you, that's enough of a cushion of the blow that you won't like split your car into on the, on the, 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 the Jersey walls or whatever it is behind them. This guy started to go right. And at the last possible minute, he jerked the car back to the left. I am now in a fetal position, hanging off the oh shit handle in the back of the Lincoln Navigator. I'm not screaming because I can't. I'm, I'm literally just locked up in fear for my life. I'm, I just, it's like, am I going to survive this drive? And we had to do it twice. I end up at a Holiday Inn. Very nice Holiday Inn, by the way. We go to the dinner. We get the award. Come home. Um, following morning, we're back in the car. We go back. Uh, uh, the, the Lincoln Navigator. We go back to uh, airport in question. I, I believe I now understand where the depot in... Well... To this day, I can't remember what airport it was. It's either LaGuardia or JFK. And so just work with me on that one, okay? Dirty, dirty. And I think I understand with the concept of everybody moving around this 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 space and and just a, a lot of action in a rundown environment, a little garbage scape, dystopian fucking nightmare. And all I could think of was men in black. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. That was, that was the thing I was thinking of, watching all these people come through the terminal in this dirty-ass terminal. And when I say dirty, the part of the terminal I was in, 
I'd look around, there were stains on the walls everywhere. And I wasn't sure where they, uh, were these organic? Did a man make these stains? And how did they get them so high on the wall? And did they wipe after? That's what they looked like to me. And I was in New York airport in 1983 during a garbage strike. And this was the, <clears throat> this was the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. What, what did I think of the Jersey? Pl- I thought it was Beirut because Beirut was going on. Did, have you ever seen pictures of 1983 Beirut downtown? You know, was there a Beirut? Well, parts of one. bombed out, burned down buildings, skeletal remains of buildings, things like that, you know? Not even really roads, just dirt at this point. Everything's been bombed into submission. Yeah, that's what Newark, uh, Newark Airport looked like to me in 1983 during a garbage strike. And that's what this New York Airport looked like to me. It just, it, it wasn't even that it looked like a war zone. It was just nasty. How long were you there? I have no idea, but it was enough where I was like, do I really want to go get a $15 sandwich? Oh, yeah. Those guys have you fucking... Oh, God. (laughs) You want to talk about... You want to talk about hostile fucking capitalism? Get trapped in an airport. I was trapped in Portland International Airport for... Eight or nine hours because of a, a of storms, and and you know you gotta go find something to eat, and it's like, uh, well, you know, I can go get this fifteen dollar hoagie. I could literally walk across the street to the airport to a Denny's that was maybe like a half mile down the road, right? But then I have to go back through security again, and I'll... and it turns out we could have done that like three times, right? But no, you know, whatever. Do you want the $15 hoagie? Well, at some point in time, you know, you're going to have to get the $15 hoagie because you're fucking starving. Let's hear it for capitalism. All right, I think that's going to do it. Hey, by the way, uh, this week um, I did a Patreon podcast. Uh, go to, uh, actually, if you go to chrisroley.com and click on the Patreon link there, or go to patreon.com slash Chris Rowley. Uh, you can get the uh, special uh, podcast that I do. I at least try to do one a week for uh, all you sick, twisted freaks. And uh, I try to do a little bit more than that. And you can see everything that we do there for the meager sum of $5 a month. I would appreciate your custom if you support what I do. My sick, twisted rantings, I would appreciate um, your custom. Thank you. Thank you for your custom. That's going to do it for this episode of Rolla. Again, one name all the same on the social media. Chris Rolly, K-R-I-S-R-O-L-E-Y. One word, if you please. Uh, there's a Twitter. There's a Mastodon. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, d- don't find me on Facebook. Don't find me on, on, on Instagram. Don't find me anywhere uh, as far as that's concerned. But you can always go to chrisrolly.com, which is our ancestral home where things flow and flow heavily. Until next time, question everything. Period. Full stop. Stay solid, people. 
Google of Lineup.